Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to GEMS Podcast. With me is Corey Allen. He's going to talk to us about all things financial, how he helps people build generational wealth, and how he sets them up for success. But here's a bit about Corey. Corey Allen, he is committed to helping professionals and communities that serve, build, and preserve generational wealth consistent to their legacy, heritage, and values. His specialty areas include comprehensive wealth management and financial services, single solution strategies, risk management, and life insurance, and financial wellness workshops. He prides himself on being able to help most any professionals with no account minimums. Wow, that's incredible, y'all. He started his financial services practices in 2004 and has been serving the community for nearly two decades. He also specializes with working with business owners, military veterans, active and retired professionals, healthcare professionals, educational professionals, and C-suite level professionals. He served six years in the U.S. Army and has approximately seven years working as senior HR administrator in both higher and lower education. His passion for serving families in the area of finance stems from seeing firsthand the differences of professionals who plan for the financial future and those who do not. He is very dedicated and detail-oriented and loves getting to know about people's goals and their dreams. And without further ado, help me welcome Corey Allen to GEMS Podcast. Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much, Corey. Your bio is a wealth of information. And first and foremost, I wanna thank you for your service in the US Army. And I wanna thank you for what you do on a daily basis to really help people ensure that they are protected and they have what they need. So they're not scrambling when life throws them a curveball. Absolutely, absolutely appreciate that. So Corey, Um, You've been in this business for a long time, over two decades. You've seen a lot of things maybe on the forefront as well as behind the scenes. Some may, you know, have rocked you or shaped your perspective when it comes to the financial sector, especially after leaving um, education. What really drove you into the financial industry and what was that aha moment? That's a good question, you know. One of the things, uh, I was actually 20 years old, uh, Genesis, and I actually um, was an army mechanic. So I didn't have any experience in the financial sector at all. Um, But I was highly motivated. I came from a small town in Louisiana where we grew sweet potatoes and and okra. We still do that today. So I can still get a sack of okra and sweet potatoes today. Um, But other than that, though, that was my background. I really was, um, at the time, in 2000. Four, it was around that time I was in the military and I was making about $17,000 a year back in 2004, which even that, that was a few years ago, but that still wasn't that much money. So I actually started working in the car business. Uh, the military had a program called the Miles Program. And really, they, if you're in the military, they can get you a car. And so I thought that was good. I used the program. So I was like, that's a good thing. And um, 
Um, what, what I didn't understand with the Miles program, Dennis, is that they had um, an interest rate of 17.5%. Now, back then, I mean, I didn't know what interest was at the time, to be honest. So it really didn't, I mean, I didn't think there was nothing wrong with that. So, but I thought that about five or six, six of those, I worked with a guy named Joe. Um, and if they saw Joe, they were driving out with a car. That was just the same days. That was how it worked. He closed everything. But once I started learning about interest, I was like, man, this is, uh, this is this is not the right thing to be doing. And so I actually quit that um, that, that job there, kind of part-time job I had while I was active duty military. And um, I was looking for something else. And I actually bumped into a guy named Kyle. And um, Kyle shared with me some concepts about building wealth and about putting together a plan and a game plan. And everything just made so much sense. So I pretty much got started immediately. I started working on a plan for myself. I had 200 bucks a month. I committed to the plan. And um, I actually started working on getting licensed. This is right before I was going to Iraq. And so um, that really excited me, uh, that thing there. But I think the thing that really, really got my attention was maybe about six months prior to me um, find, bumping into Kyle, um, there was, we, I stayed in the barracks. So in the, in the military, you can even stay in the barracks, especially if you're single, you used to stay in the barracks, right? So I was there like a dorm, like a college dorm. That's what barracks is. And so um, it was around eight o'clock at night. Now, at that time, I was very single, right? Um, and so there was a lady, um, probably about this, my age or a couple of years older than me, just came there. Um, she was looking great. And she knocks on my barracks room door and just me, she's like, can I come in? I'm like, absolutely. You know, I didn't know why she wanted to come in. You know, the truth is, she was a beautiful lady, and I'm like, come on in. That, that's the real truth. And she was, I knew she was going to do a presentation. I knew that much with something, but I didn't care what it was. So she came in and she started talking about insurance. The next thing you know, she left, I had committed 100 bucks to an insurance policy. And um, then when, the next day, I started reading when I was thinking properly. I was like, no, why did I just buy insurance? Like, she was talking about building wealth, but this says an insurance policy. So it didn't make sense to me. So pretty much I canceled it pretty quickly because I didn't understand why I got a big insurance policy. I thought I was getting an investment, but it was insurance. So I just canceled it, no big deal. And then once I got in the industry, I started learning about the types of, uh, of investments and retirement planning and insurance. And what they sold me was probably the worst product that you can have. And so once I realized that that's what they were doing to soldiers, and you no, know, I went to Iraq twice, I deployed twice. And so one of the things is by going to Iraq, I was fighting for freedom. My buddies and I we were fighting for freedom um, that we really couldn't experience when we got back to the States because we didn't have the financial freedom to experience. So the freedom we were fighting for, we couldn't experience it ourselves. So that really uh, led me on to a big mission. And then I would say my core is my mom. I mean, my mom raised uh, four of us, uh, you know, growing up. Um, my mom and dad separated and I have a great relationship with both my mom and dad. But really wanted to be able to um, have allow my mom to have some experiences that she didn't have, like traveling and just being able to pay for it and say, here's where we're going. Um, so those are a, a few of the major reasons that at that time. Um, and so, of course, now today I'm married to my very best friend, Celestina. Uh, and so now my drive, obviously, is I believe that she deserves the very best. And we love to travel and we spend a lot of our time together. And so uh, so now, you know, you add more important things as you get more mature. So I'm excited about this new stage of life of 18 months of marriage. So I'm excited about that.
That is amazing. And congratulations again on, you know, being a newlywed and just really being vulnerable and transparent and sharing about your journey, because sometimes people go to the military so they could escape, so they could get, you know, the different perks that comes with the military. But then after they, you know, come back and they're now a civilian, then they're like, oh, wow, things things don't seem, you know, much different. And I could speak a little bit from experience because my sister was in the Navy. And when she was talking about how some military people go through hard, hard situations, I was like, what? I don't understand it, but I don't understand it. It's because I haven't walked in y'all's shoes and I haven't done or seen the things that you all have seen. So I commend you for that. And with your drive and passion for generational wealth and just really being financially free, have you thought about, you know, creating a nonprofit and partnering with the U.S. military to kind of help segue them into here's what you need to do to ensure that you have financial wealth for you as well as generational wealth for your family. Because sometimes when you see um, soldiers that come back and they're living the civilian lifestyle, a lot of them, you know, end up on housing or some are homeless and then others, they just don't really want to go through the rat race of, you know, trying to repatriate back into civilian life. And they feel like, man, I've done all this for my country, but where's my country when I need their help? And I'm not sure if you could really elaborate or talk on that. And if I said something out of context, please correct me, Corey. Nah, no worries. Uh, so absolutely. So one of my passions, obviously, when it comes to the, uh, the charitable spaces, our military friends and family, uh, young men, I, I, I love to mentor young men. I was a big brother for quite a while. I worked in community and school. So those are two of my, my, my big ones. And then financial literacy, that's the third one, pillar. And actually at our church, we started a program, a Marine guy, his name is Tori, uh, another gentleman named Albert. Um, they are, uh, he's a military brat. So his dad was a military um, uh, person. And we created a military group at our church. Uh, we have about 100 to 150 uh, people members. And what we do, we do life together. And so that was one way we, we really decided to serve the military was providing an avenue to have a good time. So we would get together a couple of times a month during the, whenever we did the, the season was in. And we would do things like bowling. Or we would go eat out or we would do a movie night. Uh, and then we would have, you know, of course, we would have our Bible study too, but we would also have um resources so there was a question we we're not the experts but we have partnership with people who specialize in different areas because you know every somebody's back it's different for everybody sometimes people lump it all in like everybody has the same challenges that's, that's not it's just like regular it's just like life you know if you play sports there's some things you may go through so likewise with our military family and friends is uh some people may have some significant challenges on or maybe uh uh, what they're experiencing. Some people use their military experience to really catapult their new career or the next endeavor when they get out, if they are, if they retire, when they're done. So everybody's varying. So I like to have a uh, resource where somebody like, hey, I'm trying to get to become an executive. We can point to here's how you can grow. If maybe you need some um, some help when it comes to health care or maybe uh, just for military benefit, then there's another program. So I like the idea of having these different partnerships that Regardless if somebody is doing what they, what other people may consider well, there's always another level. And if some people, maybe they're trying to figure out for housing support, then there is some help for that. So regardless of where we're in our life as military veterans, there's, there's uh, support and there's uh, organizations that can back you up 
and really help you get to where you're trying to go, regardless of where you are. And thank you for breaking that down. And we all know that in life, there's different vehicles and means to achieving generational wealth. What are some of the vehicles and the strategies and structures that you have in place when you're working with various clients so you can set them up for success? You know, uh, that's that's a great question. Um, and I think one of the things, and it took me a couple of years, honestly, to learn it, is really getting to learn who you're working with, understanding what helps that family tick, what's their why, what is driving them. Maybe it might be a single parent that really want their child or their children to have opportunity they didn't have. Or maybe it might be um, a married couple that really they just want to model you know, um, the right behaviors for children, the values they want to transfer. So um, I think uh, the first thing is really listening to them quite a lot and answering questions or asking questions, excuse me, asking the right questions to really know what's important to them. Because one thing we've learned over 18 years, I think 18 years next month, is that everybody has different whys. And we use that to drive the program because our I look at it like this. My job is to help people get what they want in the wisest way possible. Uh, and I don't tell people what they need to do. We learn about them and we share um, certain strategies. So there is some basics that I'll share with you that I think is important for most families. Now, we typically deal with middle income and upper middle income families. So people that might be making somewhere $40,000 a year to maybe a few hundred grand a year and anywhere in between. Um, but some basic things to put in place, I think, is having a solid um, insurance program as a foundation. And I know a lot of times people don't like to hear that because like, well, I want to build wealth. I want to have blockchain. I want to have some stocks. I want real estate. Right. And those are great. But I think foundationally, if somebody has is very blessed and they can invest five thousand a month, which is a lot of money. Right. It's a salary. Um, if they do that for a year, that's sixty thousand. If they happen to pass away before they build their wealth, that 60,000 might grow to 70, 80,000, but it's not gonna be enough for their children and family to live on and to pay off the house and pay off debt, things like that. So I think um, that's foundationally there, unless they already have a lot of wealth. So having a solid, what I believe for most families is high quality, low cost term program insurance because it's very affordable and get a lot of coverage and you can actually invest the rest into uh, other investment vehicles. So I think that strategy is good for most Americans. Uh, and then after we got that in place, having the emergency fund. So having, a, we call it three types of accounts, a short-term account, mid-term account, and long-term. Uh, so we think every family needs that separated um, because of a COVID-19 hits that's unexpected. You know, we think people need to have about six months to 12 months of expenses put away if possible, or at least have a game plan to get there. Uh, and then I think it's important to have a strategy to get out of debt as quickly as possible, especially high interest credit cards and high interest loans. You know, I think those that, to try to get out of debt quickly through a concept called snowball and the debt stacking. And then the last thing is, is um, having a simple estate plan. Having a simple estate plan. So that could be like a will, power of attorney, medical power of attorney, living will. Um, so I think those are the things that's just basics, regardless of what, where somebody's in their financial life, having a low cost term program, three, three fundamental savings accounts, uh, and a simple estate plan and, and folks on getting out of debt. That's what I'll say, just a basic. That's really, that's really good tip. So know what your foundation is, know what your three 
saving mechanisms are. So the short, midterm, and long-term, and then simple estate planning. So your will, your POA, and if you need a medical POA, because, you know, life circumstances happen. And we all learned from 2020, where I like to say far from perfect vision, but a slap of reality. That's a um, chapter in my book. And I feel like in this day and age that some jobs are not secured. I'm a prime example of that. I worked for seven and a half years for a particular Fortune 500 oil and gas company. And a week after my dad passed, I found out that I was being laid off, but then they realized I was the only one doing what I was doing. So they kept me on up until February this year. And luckily I had something to fall back on. I had my husband, but I also had, you know, my husband's business that he has on the side and other things that I was doing. So I could have different vehicles and means to keep us afloat. So I would say to, if I could add this is look for ways to generate passive income and also be wise I always say be wise as a serpent but harmless as a dove because sometimes we want to put things on credit because they're like hey if you spend this amount you get these points but then you have to ask yourself the amount that I'm spending and racking up on this credit card can I pay it off at the end of the month or am I digging myself deeper in a hole because I feel like sometimes younger people and people who are middle class they do certain things to get by so they could you know live a comfortable lifestyle but no one is really teaching them about financial literacy and depending on what area they're in if they're in an urban area then they're just doing things to survive and not necessarily thrive so how can we take the knowledge that we have a Acquire and go into those urban areas or go into those schools and really talk about financial literacy because I believe they should start teaching this in school at a young age because some of the other stuff they teach, yes, it's cool, but we don't need some of that stuff. Some of the stuff I learned in school, I am not using it in real life. I'm using the street life that I've acquired and going through life lessons and experiences to help me versus some of the things that you taught me in school. So with you coming from education field and stepping into financial industry, what are some of the things that you see that we could improve on? And that's a good question. And my career is a little uh, different because actually um, I got into the financial industry at 20 and what I learned in um, understanding how to do training and development, I learned about talent acquisition. Uh, I learned about um, employee retention, um, why I was active through the military when I was building the firm. Uh, and so when I got into the corporate side of um, higher education and, and lower education, um, I was in recruitment. I was in talent acquisition. And so um, uh, one of the things I think, uh, and repeat the question, I want to make sure I answer it right. So I don't answer the wrong thing. So I want to see what are some of the type of things that we could do to bridge the gap between higher and lower education and the mm -hmm. financial space so we can ensure that we have the necessary tools to set up our younger generation for success where they're not just doing what their parents did because what their parents did may have worked for your parents, but we need to set you up for success because times are changing. Good. Okay. So yeah. So I think one of them is coaching. We have to be really uh, focused on coaching our teachers. So you know, a lot of the, the people that had the biggest impact on my life and uh, successful people that I spoke to is somebody that told them the truth, even if it stunk. <laughs> somebody that was able to share truth with them without having to sugarcoat it in such a way. So I think part of the challenge we have is we have teachers who most teachers I know when I we recruit a teacher, they have a passion. They love the students. They want their students, their children, their babies to do well. 
The challenge is when it comes to teaching or maybe even sharing financial concepts, most people, because they have integrity, they can't with high conviction share something they're not doing themselves. It's, 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 um, it's, it's um, kind of like, um, it's not congruent, it's incongruent to them to say, hey, you need to do this, even though we ain't doing it in my family. So even though everybody knows they should get out of debt, everybody knows they should be saving and investing for the future, but to, to, for teachers to be able to communicate to, to children with passion, with conviction, like a coach would, a coach comes there and they say, hey, look, don't worry about what your home life. We're a family here. We're going to do something special. And we, we play, I play football and we're all every year. We, our goal was to be the state champions. So the coach breathed belief into us because he had conviction that we can actually become state champions. And so, but sometimes the teachers, they're, some of them, honestly, is a lot of things they go through. So they really are not as passionate because of a lot of other things they got to do in teaching outside of the actual teaching. So I think part of it is like what we try to do, we've adopted a school, I'm not going to name the school here, but we adopted a school at my firm where we actually go and we teach these things. I do um, career days at schools, many schools. Um, but I think, I think adopting and having a, a charitable part of what we do, like um, adopting a school and not overdoing it. Sometimes some people try to do so much that they're not affected. So I would prefer to maybe work with one or two schools, you know, on that, in that year for volunteer reasons or whatnot, and just to help and do it with 100% excellence versus have a bunch of different places we're going and the students or the teachers, whoever we're talking to is not. So I think part of it is getting into those schools, partnering with other um, financial organizations, like maybe some mortgage companies, they can talk about credit, things like that. So I think partnering and really going and, and doing educational pieces for parent-teacher organizations. Um, so I think, so we have um, a How Many Works for Children, and that's separated based on age. We got it for like three to five, six to 10, 11 to 14, and then how many work for adults. So that's what we do. And it's, it's no cost. We can go do a free seminar, sometime even buy lunch. Um, because um, when you bring food, people tend to want to show up and learn. So we, we think that's one way to do it. Uh, and it would be nice if they, they put something in the curriculum uh, about financial literacy. We're working with one of the higher education institutions within the state of Texas, I'll put it that way, on maybe putting together some type of financial literacy and partnering. So I think that that's one way we can do it is by um, allowing them to be able, uh, people to go into the schools and just teach it um, just from a nonprofit standpoint, just to teach basic stuff at no cost to, at no cost to the, the teachers or the students. I would a hundred percent support that because coming from the oil and gas and energy sector we partnered with junior achievement and junior achievement goes into certain schools but it was brought to my awareness that they they don't go into all schools so there are some areas that do need what junior achievement has and if they don't go into urban areas or low-income areas then those children are very much missing out on information that is afforded to like the woodland Fair, Kingwood, and et cetera. So we need to level the playing field and set everyone up for success because not everyone is afforded the same opportunity. And we know for a lower income family, maybe it may be a single family, um, 
a single parent household or it could be a dual parent household, but they're so busy working, trying to keep the lights on, provide food on the table that they don't have time to spend that undivided attention with their children. So we have siblings raising um, siblings or we have children raising themselves and they're trying to make the best out of it. And so if we get it into that type of area, then we're affording the ability for that child to now approach their parent and have a conversation where the children could teach their parents and then their parents could segue. Because I ran into some people some years ago where the girl was saying, oh, I have bad, bad credit. I was like, how do you have bad credit and you're in high school? Because some of the parents were putting the kids' names on certain things. Instead of doing that, why don't you put your kid's name on a business or form a LLC so that way they could start to build generational wealth and they're also building business credit line versus building debt line. And we have to change the way that we think. And I've learned this being first-generation American because my parents are poor but I also learned it because I have older siblings and I surround myself with a lot of people who are older than me. And it's like, sometimes you want to have these conversations, but then you have to do it in a way where that person who's on the receiving end doesn't feel attacked or they don't feel like you're trying to say that they're beneath beneath them. So with a person that has your background, Corey, and your accolades, that's why I'm asking these questions because we're having a transparent conversation right here, but we're talking about real life, real issues that really matter so we can ensure that we are giving people access to different means to acquire wealth because not everyone's going to be able to buy a piece of land or buy real estate or, you know, have um, turnkeys where they're, that's part of real estate or some of the other things that you see on TV, but we can give you some tools to at least get you started. And while you're getting started, you're acquiring that wealth where you could then begin to diversify it. And let's say one thing too is like these kids are motivated. Like when look, I grew up in a project in New Iberia, Louisiana. So I was motivated, like uh, we were playing sport, we were motivated. It's just, you know, we, like where we say in the project, there wasn't um, like an education center. There were, you know, normally we go to our side of town, you have um, a payday loan place and a pawn shop, you know, and, and, but there's not stuff that really would elevate or would speak to, hey, you know what, building, um, having a business entrepreneurship. You know, and so I, I really believe that we we have to have a passion for it. Like, I know that those students are some of the sharpest students, period. Um, and my, I have to give credit to my mom because, look, my mom did a great job raising four of us that she created an environment that we didn't even realize we were, we, we were, we were in the, we were poor. <laughs> you know, honestly, we didn't, we didn't, I remember I went to a garage sale one time, I was around 12 or 13 maybe, and I got some Nikes from a garage sale, used Nikes, right? It was size 13, right? Look, I don't wear a size 13 today. <laughs> but, but I thought, I said, all I knew was Nike. I put those 13s on, I went to school, but I got clowned so bad, Genesis. I was like, oh man, it was the worst experience ever. But you know, um, that's when I first realized that, hey, something's different. <laughs> but other than that, you know, we, we, my mom had a healthy, my mom was always a positive nature person. So she never talked about what we can't do or what you can't be. She always was very positive about, you know, you can do it. And I don't even know if she realized what she did, but she spoke belief into us where we thought we can do anything. 
Um, even though we were in an environment that the system said by the time you're in third grade, you we got to start building a prison system based on that, which is a different topic. So I'm not going to get into that. But, you know, my mom created that environment. And so I think when people start seeing people in their community that's, hey, it's okay to wear a suit or it's okay to be a professional. It's nothing. It's great if you um, become a professional athlete. It's great if you go into entertainment, but that's a, such a small percentage. So we also need to have people represent it within our community that own businesses, that, that are doing things in corporate. So people, the children can say, you know what? Hey, I think I might want to be one of those business folks and don't know what business. Um, but if we don't show that, if we're not in the community, and I say we, I mean, once, you know, if you're a professional, hey, what are you, what are you doing to, to, to lend yourself to the community that you serve from a nonprofit standpoint, just because it's the right thing to do? So actually, I have more fun when I go to the, when I go to the schools. I go there because children will tell you the truth. They keep you. They keep you. They, they tell you the truth. They don't hold nothing back. Hey, when guy say, "Mr. Allen, you gained a few pounds since the last time we seen you." I'm like, "Well, yeah, maybe I need to go ahead and go do a little running." I said, "Man, this kid is so brutally honest." You know, I'm like, "Oh man." So anyway, but I, I love it because they're they're passionate, and it's like having that childlike enthusiasm, and they just need. They just need somebody to say, you know what? I believe in you. I think at the end of the day, after all the stuff I said about that, they need to hear somebody say, I believe that you can do it. I think you can do it. And that's the kind of things, as simple as that sounds, that's not happening on a regular basis in, in some of our communities, which we, we definitely have to fix. We have to be that, that voice. We have to be that positive parent-like figure, uncle-like figure, aunt-like figure that they can say that they're excited about going to school because sometimes the home environments are different, honestly. They're different. It may not be as, as wholesome. And so what they see in their experience, they have to deal with that on top of that maybe their peers at school don't have to deal with. So. I love that. And then, um, Corey, as we begin to wind down, what are some gems that you would like to leave to impart the listeners and viewers? And remember, the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Yeah, you know, and the, the good thing is I, um, I've listened and read so many books and listened to so many leaders. Uh, so most of the stuff I say, not nothing I, I started or I originated, but I would say success. Um, I've heard a lot of people say success is always rooted in a daily routine. You know, if you show me your daily routine, I can show you where you'd be in five years. So if you're saying, hey, I want to better go to medical school, or I want to better do this, what are you doing when you wake up? What are you reading? You know, who are the people that you're listening to, the five closest people to you? You know, what are they talking about? Where they are, where are they going? Because if you spend a lot of time with them, you're going where they're going. So I would say, so your daily routine has to be congruent to where you want to go. So as an example, for me, when I wake up, I, I jump on what's called a man call. It's a spiritual call. A lot of guys from my church jump on. It's 30 minutes or more. And they're just sharing different things of life, you know. So I listen to that daily because I want to make sure that I renew my mind and I, I stay positive because life could be challenging. You know, there's a lot of challenges you're talking about. Um, so I think that's one thing I do. And then I either try to go walking about three to four or five times a week or doing like um, cycling. Um, inside our gym, um, just to make sure that uh, I, it don't make sense to get rich and sick. So making sure that I'm focused on taking care of my body. Um, my wife and I, we normally pray together and we'll have some conversations about what, our, what we got planned for the day and kind of 
um, knowing what we're working on. So we communicate a lot. You know, we communicate a lot because um, she is my very best friend. And if it's important to me, it's important to her. And it's important to her, it's important to me. So that's some things that I do daily. And then when I get to the office, there's certain things that I say, I, I got to do this, regardless if it looks like it's productive, certain things that just have to happen. So I think um, it's just like playing sports. Anybody that played, uh, that might be a good example, football or, or, or maybe tennis or volleyball or any kind of sport, the coach would make you do the same thing over and over, run it again, run it again. Like, why is he making me do this all the time? Because it's, it's kind of muscle memory. It's muscle memory. And I think the biggest challenge I would say when it comes to building our finances is that people don't, they don't, they don't, they don't have enough stick to itness. So they try this for a couple of weeks. Oh, well, I ain't working. Try this. They don't have enough skin in the game long term. So we need to be focused on a small few things that's relevant to what we're trying to do. And we have to weed the noise out because otherwise we're just going to be a jack of all trades and a master of none. And although they used to say that's good, it's really not when you're trying to become successful in, in any area. Amazing. And Corey, what is your call to action and how can the listeners and viewers connect with Corey Allen? Absolutely. So my call to action is to help all families, regardless of what their income level is or how much assets they have or don't have, build generational wealth uh, consistent to their values, their vision and mission, um, their heritage and their legacy. Um, and also teaching about multi-generational business building. So when you build a business, if you're entrepreneurial, it stays within the family for a long time. So my call action is to help everybody achieve that level of success when it comes to building multi-generational wealth, regardless of where they are in their life. Um, and I can be reached on LinkedIn under Corey E. Allen. You can find me on LinkedIn, send me a request. Also send a note with the request. Um, that maybe you heard from me here. That way I can, I definitely accept you. If I know that um, you, you saw me on this call and we can definitely connect um, in the future. And then lastly is we um, do weekly financial wellness and financial literacy workshops on different topics. My wife's also a, a vice president in, in financial services. So we do it on Wednesday nights at seven o'clock central time. And I do uh, something similar on, on Thursday nights at 7.30 Central Time with different topics like retirement planning, basis of investing, protecting your asset with insurance, college and wealth generation for the next um, the kids now. So we do that every single week. Um, and we would love to invite anybody that would like to participate. Um, it's free and we do, uh, do it every week. So, so that's my call to action. And there you have it, listeners and viewers of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp. You just heard Corey E. Allen tell you all the necessary tools to build generational wealth, financial literacy, and get all the necessary tools and resources that you need. All of his contact information will be in the show notes. So there's no excuse for you to take actions today to secure a better future. All it starts by you just picking up your phone, making a phone call, picking up your fingers and typing a message on LinkedIn and connecting with him so you can secure what you need so you could drive yourself into this success factor. Not be dependent on what society wants, but do life on your terms and do it where it is establishing you and setting you up for success for the future as well as your family. And until we chat next time, Peace, love, 
and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day. Believe in yourself and stop waiting for someone to guide you when you already know what you need to do. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and share this segment with a friend because knowledge is power. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcast.